welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast. Today's episode is part of a special series with our sister publication, Mortgage Strategy, and is in association with Royal London. Royal London would like to get advisors and their clients thinking about the benefits of having wellbeing support services as part of a protection plan. Do listen out for all episodes in the series. Hello, I'm Katie Pigden, editor of Money Marketing. Welcome to the fifth and final episode in our protection and wellbeing series in association with Royal London. I'm joined by a few guests today, so I'll allow them to introduce themselves. Can we start with Christina from Royal London, please? You can do, Katie. Hi, I'm Christina from Royal London. Um, My role is I'm the product owner. Um, and my remit is to deliver products and services that help Royal London build deeper relations with their customers. And um, I have actually led the development of this um, new wellbeing proposition from ideation through to delivery. Lovely. Thank you. And Gary. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Gary Gavrilovic. I'm one of the directors of a company called City Mortgage Solutions. Uh, we are primarily a mortgage brokerage uh, based in the heart of the city, um, which has been now set up and running for the last 15 years. Thank you. And uh, finally, Adam. Hi, I'm Adam Hicks. I'm from a company called Protection Guru, who um, carry out a, a lot of benchmarking and analysis to help advisors better understand what protection products do. Um, and as part of that, uh, specifically focusing on um, some of the support services that a lot of the products offer. Brilliant. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Christina, can we start with you giving us a bit of a recap of what we've covered in the previous episodes in this series and the helping hand sort of service in general, please? Yes. Um, so Royal London have had a value-added service proposition for, for quite some time, but that um, value-added service proposition was really there to give customers a helping hand with what we tend to call a life shock. So a bereavement, a cancer diagnosis, a critical illness of some sort, um, anything to do with that. And we had a nurse-led service which would allow the customer to access a whole range of support and advice in relation to the the sort of crisis situation that they were in. Um, More recently, we've seen a move in the market towards offering preventative healthcare services. So we looked at the market, looked at what we wanted to do, and we have recently just um, added our new helping hand to stay healthy. And what that basically is, is we have um, developed a well-being ecosystem um, to help improve healthcare navigation. And we've done that by sort of curating and connecting some of the best of breed uh, providers in the market. Um, and as I say, improve the navigation between helping a customer understand where they're at with their current status of their health. And that's very much driven by their lifestyle choices, what they can do about that and where they can go for support. So it's very much um, early detection um, and, pro- and, and access to early care providers and preventative support services. Lovely. Thank you. So today I thought we could talk a little bit more about sort of protection in general, why it's important. Has it become a bit of a hard sell? Have advisors moved away from it or are we hoping that more will sort of come into that market? Gary, could we start with you? How how important is protection as something as part of your business in, in, in terms of when you're dealing with clients? It's incredibly important. I mean, simplistically, you know, we, we we spend perhaps a disproportionate amount of time and effort on trying to 
embed into our brokers that obviously you know when they when they meet the client there's a very good chance that they are going to be the only person who's ever going to speak to that client about protection unfortunately this moment in time the client doesn't wake up on a saturday morning because i'll tell you what we're going to go out and buy life cover today we're going to buy clinical illness cover today it just doesn't happen so our role with that client is we've got to try and take a personal responsibility that it sits with us to discuss it with them. But the difficulty is, is it's difficult. Clients don't like talking about it. They don't like thinking about it. And unfortunately, you know, the term disturbance is particularly on point because you do have to disturb the clients. You know, if you was trying to discuss, you know, selling a Ferrari or buying a big house or buying a flat screen TV, all of those are tangible, all of those the client can see and all of those the client wants. You're trying to impose and discuss with the client a set of events which they don't particularly want to think about and B, is going to cost in some respects, quite a bit of money to cover. So we, we very much from the very beginning had an ethos of trying to present cost outweighing benefit. So you've got to create that the benefit the clients are going to get from your recommendation from the from the policy far outweighs the monthly costs. So we've very much always focused from the very beginning when we first set the company up 15 years ago, our first relationship in the uh, protection market was with Royal London. And we very much focus on the value-added service to try and create just that additional benefit to push the client over the line to take our recommendations. I mean, as a company, we currently gross mortgage-to-life penetrate circa 50 to 60%, which for a mortgage company is totally unheard of. No one gets anywhere close to that kind of percentages. So, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in that. We take a lot of pride in our knowledge as well. But the clients we sell protection to, 60 to 70% of those will have critical illness cover alongside their life. So, yeah, so in a simplistic answer to your question, it, it's something that we do take very seriously. Um, yeah, and, and it is something that we, we do take, instead of personal responsibility to try and get across to the client. We know there's going to be some clients who don't want to do it, don't want to discuss it, but we will try and put them through the same process as a client who does. Yeah. Adam, your your role at Protection Guru, obviously you look at a lot of the protection products out there. It, it's part of the challenge. I think Gary sort of touched on it as well, that there's not a product that you can physically see. It's something that we don't want to think about. It's something that's happening down the line. Um, you know, we're not very good about talking about those horrible things. We don't want it to happen to us. We're not good at talking about money at the same time. So those two worlds colliding, is, is that part of it? I think that's a, a big part of it. And if you think about it, you're talking to a client about something that could, that's not definitely going to happen at some point in the future that we don't know and and there's a product here that could help you and and uh put you in a better position if that did happen now there's a, that that makes it a really difficult sell because from that client's point of view we're talking about something that that may or may not happen in the future so we instantly know that that people discount and put less value on things that are going to happen in the future. We know that from talking to people about pensions. Uh, there's a thing called hyperbolic discounting where people put a lesser value on something that will, that will happen in the future to, to something happening today. Um, when you're also talking about something that may not actually ever happen anyway, 
Um, and indeed, when you're talking about life cover for most people, it's probably not going to happen during the term of a plan unless you've got a whole of life policy. Um, that makes it an, an incredibly difficult sell. So having things that you can talk to the client about that they can actually access today and use today can actually, um, in many ways, help you um, discuss more of the value and and more of the benefits to them today, as well as um, helping them with those. And it comes back to what Christina was saying, those crisis events in the future, where if something does happen, we've got this policy here that will help you. And actually, um, from a financial point of view, really um, make sure that you're not affected detrimentally by by whatever happens. But also, we, we can give you stuff that you can use today that will hopefully help um, reduce the risk of that happening in the future as well. Um, and talking about those things can help advisors place extra value onto that policy by talking about what what how people can use it today. Yeah. Christina, was that part of Royal London's thinking behind these services as well then, that it is something that people can access now, they can take a little bit more control of things uh, to hopefully prevent some of those things down the line? It, it absolutely was. Um, we carried out quite a lot of customer research um, into why people don't buy protection or what, what people think about when they when they're about to buy protection and customers very strongly uh, it, it came through that they were like, well, I, I do understand the need for protection, but um, I don't think this is ever going to happen to me. Um, and, I, and I need, you know, I need to see value right here, right now for all, all the things that basically, you know, both of them have said. But Adam in particular said they, 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 they focus on I'd rather have a coffee than um, something else because I can see that I'm going to get something out of that now. Um, and what we were wanting to do with this is, um, and it was particularly on the back of, um, you know, obviously the Black Swan event, the pandemic uh, coming along, and it being much more difficult for people to access health services. And they became aware of the fact that they really did need those services. And when when they became more difficult to access, it's this is where protection to help people stay healthy, as well as to give them that long-term peace of mind, it started to to make a lot more sense so it gave us that ability to offer customers that this is this is what you're what you're getting your money's coming out your bank every month and this is what you're getting on it you can get access to a gp you can get access to physio all the things that you're struggling to get access to at the moment and a lot of which have got a cost attached to them as well so so it was to try and turn protection from being about more than just a payout uh, you know, because that financial resilience is absolutely crucial, but a lot of people just don't want to think about that to something that you've got that financial resilience, but at the same time, you've got access to all of these benefits that you can use right here, right now, that will hopefully help to keep you um, as, as healthy as you possibly can be. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, um, you're right. Obviously, when you apply for a mortgage, that was the first time that I had a conversation about sort of protection. Hadn't really thought of it up until then. So we we took out the the life insurance, but critical illness was mentioned, and we sort of panicked about. Oh, well, don't want to get any of those things on the list. But what if we don't get that exact? Thing. Is that going to cause a problem down the line or income protection for some reason? I, d I don't know why our mortgage broker sort of went, mm, 
there's this thing called income protection and clearly didn't really want to talk about it too much at all. Have these services helped you with those conversations with customers? Because obviously if, if they're looking to get their mortgage, they're thinking of spending a lot of money, maybe that extra bit is just a, a bit a step too far, even though it's very important. Well, I think I'd go back to the earlier statement. It's all about trying to create a cost outweighing benefit. And, and the greater the benefit that you can provide, the more likely the client is to take your recommendation. I mean, unquestionably, the flavour of the moment, you know, you, you can't put the TV on without watching a Peloton advert or a personal, you know, PT advert or, you know, any of these type of services which are linked to basically health support um, and all of which come at a cost. I mean, obviously, the Health Hero app with Royal London, you know, particularly anyone trying to see a GP at this moment in time is going to be incredibly difficult. So, you know, any ability to access that for a client is unquestionably going to improve and help push your sale over the line. I'd be fairly confident we could pitch the wellbeing service with Royal London to a client and get them to pay £40 a month for it without adding any protection to that premium because it's that detailed a service and what they can achieve out of it. But going back to, to your question, does this have a direct link to possibly them taking out more critical illness cover? Not necessarily. I, I think with this and with your critical illness plan, it's all about your levels of knowledge, as probably as Adam would agree with. You know, when you're trying to pitch this to a client, you know, you need to know what an ABI definition is. You need to know the difference between a non-ABI definition for a heart attack and an ABI definition for a heart attack. We focus, again, we're Royal London, we're, we're pioneers as well, on, on the additional payments, the partial payments, the, the actual cancers which are far more likely to happen. Your your low grade prostate cancer, your breast cancer, which you know, which previously would have never qualified for a full payout. I think a client can see the benefit of that. So they're going to get some support there with a nominal payout of twenty five thousand pounds. They're going to keep their summer sword in situ, and then. And as Christina always said, these plans work in two ways, as in they can support you at point of claim and, and running up to that. But the fact that then you can get your £25,000 and then you can rely and help get support. We, we've had brokers who unfortunately have been diagnosed with cancer and have actually used the helping hand service. Uh, one particular lady um, unfortunately had a child. And what Helping Hand done was actually create a booklet that the lady could use to actually present her, her diagnosis to her child. I mean, and, and, and all of that money can't buy. She got her summer shorts, she got her payout with a lot of what we're trying to achieve here can't be bought, brought with your summer short. Obviously, any insurance policy, whether it's car, house, protection, critical, and so on, is, is to pay out an amount of money when your world's falling apart. So you've got your money, but it's in what do you do with it? So this kind of additional support is where it sits into that. So if you've got the knowledge to talk about this, you've got the knowledge about your critical illness plan, you can entwine the two, but you need to have the knowledge on the kit product as well. So a lot of brokers won't be able to present it to a client because they don't fully believe or understand it themselves. Yeah. 
Adam, is that part of the problem with sort of more general financial advisors? So obviously a lot of mortgage brokers will be having these protection conversations. But certainly at Money Marketing, before I took over as editor, I felt that we wasn't really covering protection a huge amount. And I don't know if that's because it had fallen out of favour with advisors before it had become too complicated. But what's the sort of thing with general financial advisors building up those plans those goals to me it feels like if you don't have protection in place it could all come crashing down around you and and that's a great point i mean any financial plan fails if you don't have any income coming in for the the vast majority of clients and gary i'm not sure what your your client demographic is but I would probably guess that you don't have many clients that would um, be able to keep on paying their mortgages if they were without income for any substantial period of time. Um, and and therefore, I mean, al- almost income protection for pretty much all clients that, that earn an income it is massively important, yet um, it is the least talked about. I mean, from your own experience with your mortgage broker, uh, you said they they seemed a little bit shy when talking about income protection. Now, there's there's lots of reasons why uh, protection isn't spoken about as much as we would like. Um, It can be complicated, Um, particularly, and and Gary there was talking through some of the things with critical illness. The definitions there are very complicated. There's not many, even protection specialists that are going to be able to go through and rattle off all of the different definitions and what you're going to be covered for exactly. Um, income protection on the other side of things is, is almost at face value is a very simple contract, but when you delve into the detail of it, it's actually more complicated than you think because um, when you're talking to a client, it's hard to properly get across, well, how ill they need to be to be able to claim on it because Ultimately, it will depend on their occupation. It will depend on their duties. It will depend on um, what definition of incapacity they'll get. Thankfully, most insurers now stick to own occupation. Um, so it, it's a bit more of a complicated conversation than, let's say, life cover, where we do find more mortgage brokers will be willing to to put a bit, put a bit of life cover in to cover the mortgage. That is a far easier conversation because. Uh, effectively, if, if you're dead, it's going to pay out. Um, so um, I, I think the complexity of the market um, certainly plays a hand into to why um, some advisors just are a little bit wary about protection. Um, there's also um, the complications with, with, with applications, getting medical evidence, and um, the client may not be paying the same price that you actually quoted to them once medical evidence has come back. Um, I know a few advisors who have been kind of burnt by that because they've had to go back to clients, kind of tail between the legs saying, actually, you're paying twice as much as, as what I said. Um, apologies. Um, and yeah, that. that all of those things put together can make it more complicated. Um, however, um, as Gary alluded to, if you can highlight what the benefits of that cover is um, and the, the support services we're talking about, maybe one of those things, um, 
getting that client bought in with, with critical illness, it's not hard to speak to someone and say, have you ever met someone that's had cancer? Well, the chances are if you get a comprehensive plan, it's likely to pay out um, based on those. Likewise, have you ever met anyone that's had to take a, a, a substantial time amount of time off work? Um, most people will probably know someone that has had to take time off work due to some kind of illness or or injury. Um, and therefore it becomes more relatable, I think, and, and it's, um, it starts to become easier to talk about those other wider benefits in that the plans can offer. Yeah. Christine, obviously no one would have wanted the pandemic that we've gone through, but has that put it put protection back on the agenda? Has that got more people thinking about taking out these policies? And what's Royal London's relationship with advisors? How has that changed over the years? Is it predominantly mortgage advisors? Do you still work with general financial advisors as well? So to answer the first part of your question, um, yes, I think I, I, I mentioned earlier, I think the, the pandemic um, has definitely made people much more aware of their vulnerability. And uh, I mean, coronavirus was obviously worse for people who were a bit older with uh, pre-existing health conditions, but there were a lot of people fit and healthy who suddenly became really ill with an illness that we never even knew existed before. And we've all heard of long COVID, um, people having to take time off work because they just have not been able to recover back to the state of health that they were in prior to getting the condition. And that is something that a product like income protection would have supported. Um, and obviously the value added services around about that, um, there was, there's a lot of mental health came out um, or, or got worse as a result of the pandemic. Um, and that's, again, we obviously, one of our top reasons for income protection claims is mental health. And so that was a, it was pretty much a no-brainer that we needed to put really strong preventative support in that space, um, combined with the product to try and help people in that in that space um, and then provide an income if they did get sort of serious enough that they couldn't actually do their, their job for uh, however long their deferred period was. Um, so, so absolutely, um, the, the coronavirus has definitely put um, the awareness of your health much higher on the agenda than it was before and how difficult it can be to access early care services like physio and things than it, than it ever was pre-pandemic times. And it was never that easy anyway to access uh, physio and stuff like that through the NHS, but it's a lot worse obviously now. Um, in terms of our relationship um, with advisors, most protection is sold as part of a mortgage sale. So obviously the vast bulk of um, advisors that we deal with um, are involved in the mortgage market, but um, we have very strong relationships as well with a lot of the protection specialists for some of the reasons that Gary mentioned earlier, that we have very comprehensive products um, that we can you know, can, can meet the needs of lots of different customers. And we've, we've developed uh, scenarios where we can uh, actually offer life cover to, to customers with really severe mental health illness. There is only a few brokerages that we've been able to set up an agreement with that, but we've done that. We've also got um, the ability to offer people with diabetes, with quite severe diabetes cover, things like that. So we've looked to do that, to, to bridge the gap and, and make um, our offering as attractive as we can to the, the bulk of the market. Adam, how do, how do you think we could attract more advisors to 
cell protection or has it just become so difficult for them that they don't want to? Can they signpost specialists like uh, Christina mentioned? What what can we do to sort of up the take of protection um, from the advice market as well, really? Well, well, ultimately, any financial advisor should at the very least be having a protection conversation with their clients. Whether they want to do it themselves or not is another thing. Um, I think within certainly in the wealth market and probably quite a lot in in the mortgage market as well, the the, the systems that advisors use um, don't incorporate any protection really at all. Um, if you look at the the cash flow modeling tools that, that wealth advisors use, um, they're the perfect tools to, to highlight the loss of income or um, the, the death of a partner. Um, because theoretically, you should just be able to have a button to say, okay, what if I got ill and was unable to work for two years on this date? Click a button. See, Let's see what impact that has on my plan. If, if more systems were incorporating those kinds of features, it would be far easier for advisors to then have that discussion with their clients. And as we said, if they want to go through and do it themselves, and that's great, we would encourage that. However, um, there's been a lot of work done um, in the market by Bieber um, and the, the PDG to, to set up signpostings so that if you don't want to do it or you've got a client that's complex, um, I mean, th- some of the protection policies um, require specialisms. I mean, business protection can be difficult. Um, and there's a lot of factors that you need to take in. Um, where you've got a client that has a complex medical history, that can be difficult. So where you where you have cases like that, let's not shy away from it. There, there's services out there to help signpost you to, to advisors that specialize in those areas and can help get your client the cover that they need. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think every advisor should at least be having that that initial conversation with the client. And it, it, it should be, I mean, from compliance department's point of view, um, it, I, I almost think it should be mandatory that a conversation should happen. If the if, the, if there's no need, then great. But I, that's not going to happen very often. Um, I, I think most times where an advisor has an actual um, detailed conversation about the protection needs and requirements of that client, there will be a need um, there for cover. Um, whether they want to do it themselves is completely up to them. Um, but there are many services out there to help signpost advisors to um, specialists that can help them get that cover in place. Yeah. How, um, Gary, how well is it received by mortgage brokers? Obviously, you said that, that they're having conversations with the clients. Maybe that's a slightly easier conversation when you're selling a mortgage or, or trying to help someone with their mortgage um but have you had any difficulties over the years where they they also go i'm I'm not an expert in that you know i know how to get someone a mortgage but the protection side of it is a bit bit of a difficult one again that's just going to be driven from the top it's a company appetite a company ethos to do it as well as what adam said i mean even with our in our organization we've got brokers who do not want to sell protection but we allow them not to do that on the proviso that they refer it to. We have 
in-house protection specialists. We have brokers who do a particularly good job of protection. They particularly understand it. They have an appetite and drive to want to do it. So if you're a broker who, um, who just doesn't want to dip their toes into that arena, then that's not a problem. You can be a mortgage specialist. I think sometimes you've got to appreciate not everyone can do both jobs. So you need to have it set up within your organisation that if you just want to be the broker, you be the broker. But as, as Adam rightly said, as an organisation, that opportunity has to be referred somewhere else. You know, treating customers fairly, the outcomes of, of, you know, you can't have a client who sees broker A and their outcome is vastly different than if they see broker B because broker B wants to sell protection, broker A don't. So we would have the internal uh, processes and procedures in place to make sure that client would be referred to another broker. I think a point I want to pick up with Adam is, uh, what Adam said as well is the, the, the big problem, we are a DA firm, so we're very lucky we can basically, within the tolerances of acceptability, go down the path that we want to go down. I think a lot of compliance departments and, and the regulator particularly they're still in the dark ages. The likes of Royal London and, and LV and all the other providers are creating these wonderful menu-based plans where you can have little pots of cover, you can have a bit of this, a bit of that, you can have eight benefits under one plan. But if you try and force that through most compliance departments, they will rip it apart. They still have this very old-school it should be a joint life first event policy, which is a complete waste of money. We never recommend joint life first event. Why would you possibly want to do such a thing? And they then also recommend that you have joint life and kick first event. And, and you're not maximising these pots of cover. And if someone's got our average mortgage going back, I think Adam said about the demographic of our clients, our average mortgage is £300,000. Most clients are not going to be able to afford a £300,000 critical illness policy, but they may really want £100,000 worth of kick. But if you work for a network or any other of those organisations, that network won't allow you to do that. So the networks have got to change, which means the regulators got to change. We as brokers have these, every time we send our files off externally to be checked through other organisations, that they, that they just go back to this old school way of we, way that we should be selling protection. And I think they, they, have, they need to cut the ties to the broker a little bit to allow them to use these new policies because a lot of the times the, the brokers don't know what to do because the compliance department and regulator won't allow them to do it. So that they've got to come a little bit into the new world of doing it. You're not going to have this traditional Mr. and Mrs. and they're not going to sit there and want to have enough money to pay for their full critical illness plan. We attempt to give a, a financial assessment, a financial recommendation, sorry, a protection recommendation. You're not going to do that with most networks. Mm. Bearing in mind what Christina said, most of their business coming from mortgage brokers and most mortgage brokers have their hands tied. They, they need to look at that of how we pitch this to the client. It seems like to, to move the protection market forward, we need a few players coming together, don't we? And, and really checking how far it's come along. Uh, just before we finish, Christina, any final words from you? 
Um, no, uh, great input today from both uh, Gary and Adam. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to um, the conversations there. Um, and, and yeah, anything that a provider can do to help make those conversations easier, um, we should be doing. And that, that is what we're trying to do with adding these value-added services. It's what we're trying to do with um, to make protection appealing and affordable. It's what we're trying to do with like the menu approach uh, that uh, Gary just mentioned there. So delighted to see that some of these things are having an impact, but um, definitely still a lot of work to be done. <laughs> and finally, anything else from Adam or, or Gary? I think the one thing I'd just carrying on from what, what Gary said there, and he, he's made some great points about um, why you would do, say, two single life policies and, and separate the life and, and critical illness. Um, I, I read an interesting article from, from Kevin Carr on, on money marketing this morning talking about exactly that. Um, and it, it is a problem where compliance um departments are, are frankly quite scared of the ombudsman because the ombudsman has has made rulings against people doing things like that um and i i do i do worry that 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 kind of it is leading to some bad outcomes and i think kevin kind of hit the nail on the head and it's it's something not just limited to the protection industry but w whenever giving advice you need to document why you're doing what you're doing. So if, if you are doing two single life plans as opposed to a joint life, you you need to explain why. At least you, you would hopefully have explained to the client, I'm going to set this up as two single life policies because that means there's two claimable events as opposed to one uh, effectively getting double the cover. If you explain that in your suitability report, it kind of does cover you from the ombudsman because you fully explain why. As Kevin said. Well, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for all joining me today. I've really enjoyed the conversation as well. I feel like I've learned a lot of bit more about protection, but also hopefully we can encourage a few more advisors to get in or at least, like we said, uh, signpost to those that do. I hope you've enjoyed the Protection and Wellbeing podcast series. If you've missed any episodes, you can catch up wherever you get your podcasts from. They are also all available on the Money Marketing website. Thank you to all our guests who have made it possible and to Royal London for sharing details of its wellbeing services. If you're looking for more information, visit advisor.royallondon.com forward slash helping hand. <laughs>